Hello everyone, this is Dr. Doug, Dr. Josh, and Dr. Michael, and recording uh, yet another podcast. Sorry for the delay in, uh, uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, been podcast number 17. Yeah, been, been a little while, but there's been a lot going on with us. Uh, we've been to uh, several conferences recently. Uh, uh, most recent, actually, was the, uh, uh, the One Million Cups up in Kansas City. Yeah, that was a great uh, entrepreneurial event they have at the Kauffman Center. It's a national movement. I believe it's in 30 cities, and, and they bring up two unique uh, entrepreneurs to discuss what they do. And So we made a lot of great contacts and shared the direct care model with the Kansas City market uh, to a very warm reception. So thanks again to the Kauffman Center and the Million Cups Foundation for having us out there. Something else that's been really wonderful for us is having some medical students out here uh, we get emails fairly often from uh, either pre-med students, med students, residents, and, and of course physicians alike that all want to come out, see what we're doing, and learn a little bit more. But, you know, uh, as always, our goal has been to really hit the heart of medical education and show that uh, direct primary care is really the kind of medicine that, that people uh, in primary care want to provide and have always thought is is the the root of uh, medicine. Doug was so, able to Skype into the uh, uh, Family Medicine Residency in Cedar Rapids and talk with them about that. Uh, and they were all very interested to learn that there's a, a way to practice family medicine that they weren't familiar about. But Yeah, and it was wonderful. We got, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the questions we get, you know, are, they're, they're the same questions over and over, but amazingly that shows that everyone is thinking the same thing. So the more we can get that, that word out, the more we help to, to change minds. But um, the, the med students we have this month and next month actually are working on a combined medical degree and MBA. So actually have kind of that business uh, background and business mindset, which is just wonderful. Uh, so it, it's been really nice. We've also had some physicians in recently visiting from Kansas City, uh, some local physicians, and uh, actually got a call from a physician in Washington State just yesterday, uh, again, frustrated with the system and wanting to know kind of what can be done. So, you know, please, if you guys ever have any questions, get a hold of us. We're more than happy to, to try to help uh, answer any of those problems or questions you have about how to do this and, and what we uh, can help you change. We've got some great news we want to share with our listening audience. Uh, we uh, officially last week signed with an investor for our software, an angel investor, someone who wants to more or less be a silent partner but help us uh, achieve our goal of improving the healthcare market. So uh, we have uh, full funding for the next several years. So we'll continue to improve the direct care model and the Atlas.md software for direct care physicians. Got uh, some conferences coming up. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at a uh, FMEC conference in Washington, D.C. next week. Uh, looking very much forward to that, uh, talking uh, specifically about uh, the pharmacy and dispensing uh, and its application to direct primary care and other dispensing physicians. Um, but also with the AAPS going to be talking uh, on the Hill, uh, just basically in some offices right next to the uh, uh, U.S. Capitol building, uh, to some senators and staffers about how direct primary care can, can actually make a feasible uh, impact on how medicine is, is delivered uh, and how uh, health care can be changed uh, utilizing the free market, what we've been talking about for uh, over a year now. 
So, also really interesting news is that uh, Dr. Samir with MedLion has been able to successfully launch a new direct primary care um, focused organization called dpcunited.org and he's done a wonderful job. He's got uh, excellent names on the the board uh, such as Google and Johnson and Johnson and bringing in other uh, direct primary care thought leaders like uh, Dr. Ryan out of Lawrence and, and several several others from across the country. Uh, the goal to really unite direct primary care under an umbrella where we share the same interests same goals and can help each other to expand the movement. So um, I think this will be a wonderful opportunity uh, continue to strengthen and expand the direct care market. Uh, we're also working with the American Academy of Family Physicians um, regularly to help them expand their support documents uh, and understanding of, of the model. So lots of great things happening, but we want to get into the main piece of this blog, uh, or I'm sorry, this podcast today, and it's Dr. Michael. It's a uh, spoken blog. It's a spoken blog. We have a word for that. It's called a podcast. <laughs> um, and so Dr. Michael is uh, somebody that uh, Doug and I trained with all through residency and new in med school, so uh, we were very fortunate to have him join our practice uh, a year ago, uh, 13 months ago, actually. And so we thought a lot of uh, the listening audience would be interested in his experience. And so we brought him in today to be our first guest host or guest uh, uh, speaker on our podcast. Yeah, he's Wichita's direct primary care prodigal son. Uh, yes. Being, being from Wichita, uh, you know, he... Uh, He's known the town for a while, and it's, uh, it's, it's done well for him. So, Michael, tell us a little about yourself. So, I don't know how to follow up that introduction. Uh, prodigal son's a little bit uh, over the top, but uh, I was, uh, as Josh said, I was trained uh, at Wesley Medical Center for my residency, and immediately after finishing there, I proceeded to uh, work in an employed uh, position with the hospital. And so this was a traditional outpatient model. Um, I was the only physician uh, at that office, and so I was obviously paid on the standard insurance uh, setup. And so, to be honest, they, they treated me very well. I had a standard uh, salary, and uh, I, I was paid comparably to physicians around this area. And so being a new graduate, I had nothing to complain about, but... As time went on, I realized that things weren't uh, as great as I thought they would be. And I saw the writing on the wall when we uh, started dealing with issues with the Affordable Care Act and concerns about ICD coding. And to be honest, my experience uh, as time went on was that I was dealing more with uh, paperwork than actually seeing patients, which is why I went into family medicine. And so... I can distinctly remember multiple times where I had to deal with making a phone call to an insurance company and waiting on hold for half an hour just so I can talk to a doctor and say, I'm trying to practice what I was trained to do, but they're telling me I have to talk with you and waste my time. And so that got quite frustrating after a while, and I had been watching uh, Josh and Doug uh, excel at this new model, and I thought, well, why, why can't I consider doing that? And having known them through residency, I felt comfortable in uh, sitting down and literally we 
kind of made the deal at a, a dinner and it was nice to just be able to, to make a handshake and say hey let's do this and so as time went on uh, this was the fall of 2013 or excuse me 2012 um, as time was on we started talking about well how can I prepare for this transition what do I need to do and to be honest I was I was pretty fearful about this because I went I'm going to go from a, a salaried position to basically eating what I kill and I'm not familiar with that I, I don't have the business savvy as, as Dr. Josh and Dr. Doug do which is pretty much the case for a lot of physicians we don't have great training when it comes to business and so that's a big big leap for a lot of docs especially when you're dealing with student loans that you got to pay back you may not have all the money you need to start up a new practice and so that was a big concern Um, so we started talking and and brainstorming on how are we going to do this Um, and so we talked about setting up a letter to uh, send out to my current patients and say okay well Uh, this is what we're going to do, this is how it works, and so we sent out an initial letter and then another letter about four weeks later. Michael, what do you think your patient's first impressions were when you sent out that letter saying you were going to make the transition? Uh, To be honest, it was mixed. Um, There were patients who were disappointed, obviously, because they had found a a doc that they were comfortable with, Um, but at the same time, I had a lot of patients who were excited to, to, to have this kind of care and have this kind of access. And uh, let's see, we did a, about a five-week transition with you, if I recall, um, which was really quick, but that was uh, kind of contractually where you know, our schedule fell with you uh, exiting out of the hospital. So we, what, we sent three letters uh, about a, a week or 10 days apart, each one kind of getting deeper into the direct care model. And we had at least one open house where patients were able to come out and learn more about us. And I think it helped a lot that our clinic was advertising that during that whole time so patients were familiar with the brand and, and what we did and so now we just had to um, bring them along uh, in their understanding of it and why you were transitioning. Well and we've had some some physicians ask you know if I have a current panel of patients you know I can I can look and see who might be interested and I can ask them but something that came up uh, with your patients was what do I do with those who are going to need someone else? And, and as I recall, you said that you have handpicked uh, some physicians that might uh, work well with your patients. How did you go about doing that? Well, uh, it did help being trained in this community. I was familiar with some other primary care physicians who were continuing to practice in the traditional model. So I, I chose three physicians in particular who I thought would be a, a good match for my patients. And so d- in that letter that I explained how this transition was going to work, I did offer that alternative to those patients to contact them. And we made sure that we gave plenty of time for those patients to establish care. Uh, the worst thing you can do if you're going to transition is just completely abandon your patients. The reason we went into family medicine is because we truly care about them. Uh, our patients, and so I made sure to, to give plenty of leeway for that purpose. And I think we tried to focus on that a lot in the letters that we wrote for those docs, or for those patients, which was, um, you were transitioning because you felt this would give you a, a, a model to provide better care to them, and understandably not everyone was able to transition over, but we have a lot of doctors very successful in writing those letters and converting a large number of their patients over. 
And there's a great TED conference video for any docs unfamiliar with it called Starting With Why. And the uh, author of that says, people buy what you, uh, why you do what you do, not what you do. So Apple is understood to be a brand that wants to make your life better. That's their why. Um, lots of people make computers, but Apple really tries to improve people's lives. And I think when we have doctors transition over, when they can show that why to their patients, and, and I think in family medicine, we have the best why ever. We're doing this to help patients have better lives, get better health care, to get cheaper meds. And so I think it, it went really well that uh, your patients understood you were doing this for the right reasons. So uh, in the end, you know, once once we got some of those patients transitioned over and actually got the letters sent out, uh, we definitely saw a, a trickle of patients in. And in the past, we've mentioned uh, of the doctors we've had do this, you know, we've seen roughly a 10%, you know, you can uh, say on average about a 10% transition rate. So if you have 3,000 patients. We've seen about 300 that just jump on board. Of course, the bigger this gets, the more everyone sees the benefit, much like we see with businesses that sign up some employees. As those employees see the benefits, everyone else wants to jump on board, so I think that number will only increase. Uh, But once we got the patients transitioned over uh, and you got into the, the, the meat of practicing medicine this way, how has it changed not only your professional lifestyle, taking care of patients, but how has it affected your uh, overall lifestyle of and the impact everything on else? your life? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, to be honest, I, I did pretty well at my previous clinic when it comes to after-hour stuff. We all get those after-hours pages that can be a little bit uh, aggravating at times, but... Uh, whether it's a weekend or a, or a night at 2 a.m., um, to be honest, I was I wasn't worried with making the transition because I had obviously the uh, information from Josh and Doug on how their clinic was running. But it really is is a very low impact. We do deal with text messaging and email, which is a great service for patients who just need something simple to be taken care of quickly, rather than driving into the clinic. Um, Typically, I may receive one or two text messages and emails per night and on the weekend, maybe three or four here and there, but it's very rarely something that requires me to uh, go into the clinic. Um, occasionally, you might have a laceration that requires your attention within the clinic, but it's, very, it's been a, a very low impact. And so uh, I recently got married in January, and my wife... I, I'm sure if uh, she were here would be able to say that it's really been a uh, insignificant uh, issue when it comes to how much that impacts our 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 life. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about we we kind of touched on it a moment ago was uh, numbers and so kind of yeah. Dr. Doug kind of mentioned that well how long do you think it took you to get to your previous income and then yeah, it was, I was, to be honest, I was surprised when we, we calculated those numbers. Um, and it came out to the kind of the magic number for me was about 274 patients to get back to my old salary. And so uh, how long did that take? I, I, was, I think it was about five to six months uh, range that we looked at when it, when it finally came down to it. And so 
obviously I was a little bit scared going from that salaried position to eating what I killed, but that actually went pretty quickly. And one of the things to keep in mind for the doctors out there who are considering making this transition is the website I want, directcare.com. Uh, this website uh, basically is set up for both patients and doctors to uh, put their pin on the map per se and say, okay, I'm interested in direct care or if you're a doc saying, I, I, I want to practice this way and I, I want to know if patients are interested. And recently there was an upgrade in which um, physicians can actually post specifically for themselves and then have patients say, yes, I want this physician yeah. uh, in their area. Yeah, now we uh, physicians can have a custom link. They can sign up for that and so that they can have their own website that matches you know, the design and layout, uh, but they can see the patients who are showing interest in the area directly around them, so they'll be able to market to the, the population in their vicinity that they can serve. So uh, Transitioning Doc could share that with their patients and gauge the access, I'm sorry, the interest in the local area, so if, if two or three hundred people sign up in a few days, they can see that, yeah, this is a very viable option where they're at. So, Michael, I have a, a fairly interesting question for you. Uh, you know, we're, we're pioneering the way to do this. As we go through the physicians that we transition and the way that we go about practicing direct primary care, uh, we're, we're essentially pioneering a new method of uh, transitioning, practicing, utilizing EMRs. Uh, if you had to do it over, or if you could change anything about your transition, uh, is there anything that you would do different? I mean, not only can that benefit our clinic for future physicians, but obviously other physicians that we help transition. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of mentioned it a moment ago that the website to kind of let people know that I was going to make this transition would have been very beneficial, and so I encourage others to do so. Uh, that was That probably would have been quite helpful for me, but having joined an established name, that, that made a big uh, difference for me to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be joining Atlas MD, which by that time you guys had had some national attention, so that was quite helpful. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen that makes a difference is education. Uh, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, the problem that I've seen with other docs when they're trying to transition is there there's so much um, uh, I hate to use this word but it's the bottom line is that there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to direct care and so to educate people on how it actually functions uh, is, goes a long way and when you can do that in person uh, that makes a huge difference and so one of the things that we've done and I, I wish I would have done more of initially before I made the transition is go have face-to-face -face meetings with small businesses to say, okay, this is what we can do for you. If we combine a high deductible insurance with our services, we can save you a lot of money uh, in your primary care needs and also with paying those monthly premiums. And we recently had a, a discussion actually with a large labor union uh, in the Kansas City region about uh, wanting to do something like this and, and the, the exact words from uh, one of the vice presidents on uh, the committees for the funds for those, uh, the, the healthcare funds, was intriguing. So we continue to get uh, that 
interest in what we're doing, uh, and everything from that point on is all about education. It's discussing how we can have an impact from a primary care standpoint, and then how insurance can play a role in that. Uh, but really, the well, and we're from the million cups of coffee presentation we did that led to yet another insurance company that wants to visit the clinic. We've also already had several phone meetings with them and their team. They're very interested in what we're doing. So insurance really is picking up the interest. They're not against this. They're for a model that helps everyone. Um, but and the, uh, the, the, to, to that point, what I actually had to mention to this uh, union representative was, again, we've mentioned it before, this style of practice, when you consider everything with the practice, the insurance, the patient, this increases the physician income, it increases patient interaction and care, obviously it decreases the patient's overall expenditures, it increases insurance companies' income, decreases companies' health care costs. I mean, you, you look at this and you start to, if you drew a Venn diagram, nothing could be more beneficial and and applicable. We're a big fan of Venn diagrams. We, we like Venn diagrams. Mr. Venn was wonderful. Well, most like of us like. Big fan. Yeah. So it, it, you couldn't put together a solution. At least, you know, again, we, when we designed this, it was to have a system with no no's. Insurance companies are more profitable. Patients spend less money. Patients have better health. Physicians are happier. Physicians are wealthier. Make more money for what they're doing. Employers Companies have spend less. Best, yeah, cheaper insurance, but better care. So they have more dollars to invest back in their employees or in, in developing their business. We're realigning the goals that should have been there all along. Healthcare costs too much. It's because it's too bloated with red tape. So, yeah. in the end, it's something that we're working uh, very much towards. Uh, and the more education, as as doc, as doctors, doctor, doctor, doctor Michael mentioned, the more the better outcomes we're going to have. Michael, I wanted to see if uh, what your thoughts were. I think one question I get from a lot of docs I talk to is that um, a, a lot of doctors worry that doing the whole self-medications is a lot harder than it looks. Um, you didn't do that in your previous practice. Obviously, you kind of dropped into that because of our model. What, what has your experience been doing the whole medicines? Um yeah, that, that was quite a unique transition because I was used to saying that, uh, or used to doing, uh, basically seeing patients, uh, documenting those charts, and then telling or asking my nurse or receptionist to call patients for this or call them on this lab result or to set up this referral. Uh, so I, I really didn't deal a whole lot with, with patient care directly other than when I saw them in the office. And so when I transitioned to the... Uh, direct care clinic, one of the biggest things I, I noticed was how significant the team approach would be. Um, and so one of the things um, that I, I quickly noticed was that the docs here all answer the phone. And so that was very unique for me to, to be the first person a patient talks to. And I found that patients really appreciated that. I, I can't tell you how many times I had a patient tell me they were surprised a doctor answered the phone. So back to what Josh was saying, dealing with medications, um, it's actually quite nice. I, uh, any physician, at least primary care doc, can tell you that 
they have a, a patient ask you about, oh, I take this blue pill and it says this, this letter or this number on it, and most docs, they have no idea because they never touch those medications. So dealing with it here, having an automated pill counter, it's, it's very nice, quite simple. Patient appreciates it because they don't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line for 30 minutes and then for them to tell you, oh, your script isn't ready yet, can you come back tomorrow? Or even having the pharmacist tell you that, the, tell the patient, oh, they haven't faxed that in yet, only to find out they just haven't checked their fax server yet. So the doctor did it, but they just haven't checked, so the blame goes on the doctor. So, you know, we can help fix that too. So the actual process of getting into dealing with medications is quite simple when you utilize the Atlas MD software because at this point it can basically run your inventory, keep keep track of what medications have been dispensed. When you need refills, you just click a simple button and it's done. Um, So it's, it's quite easy and that's a huge, huge selling point to potential patients to say that that um, I can fill your prescription here, save you time uh, dealing with that, and then also not only that, I can give give you excuse me give it to you for a much cheaper price than you're going to find at the local pharmacies. Would you uh, would you ever go back to a regular practice? No, <laughs> no, yeah, simple no. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Fantastic. Um, well, uh, I we're really all very happy that Michael could. Um, uh, could join us today to do an interview and we hope that was helpful for a lot of our listening audience we'll wrap up like always again we want to uh, say again the new update to the i want direct care page where physicians can sign up for their own custom version of that specific to their address and their clinic that they'll be able to share and track and and use themselves Um, also uh, we want to remind people that they can go to our blog atlas.md slash blog for our continuing articles, how-tos, videos. Uh, Register at I Want Direct Care. Be sure to visit our Facebook page or Twitter account. And as always, you can contact us at hello at atlas.md. Again, that's hello at atlas.md. And we are always happy to answer questions, be available, walk you through this. We want every physician who's doing this to understand how to do it and be successful at it. And uh, we fully believe that 80% of family physicians or primary care physicians will be in this model in the next three to five years. It's it's an exciting time to be in family medicine, and we want to help as many docs as we can. So thanks again. We appreciate your continued listening support, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, everybody. We'll have a a follow-up podcast here shortly.